Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the 76ers Report. Jeff here alongside Mike. I think we're both still getting adjusted here to, uh, you know, general manager Brian Colangelo here in the office, as I'm sure uh, all the other listeners are as well. Uh, as always, you can follow us on the app Stitcher and make sure to follow us on Twitter at 76ers Report. And uh, it's NFL draft night, Mike. Um, you know, the Eagles are on the clock in just a couple hours here. Are you excited about the potential Carson Wentz pick at QB here? Um, or were you a little upset by the trade the Eagles actually made to get up to number two? You know, I'm excited about the potential of uh, stability at the quarterback position, uh, which is something that the team, you know, hasn't really had since, you know, uh, prime Donovan McNabb. Uh, you know, I'd be lying if I said I knew too much uh, about Wentz and if he is, you know, that guy and if he's worth uh, you know, all that the team had to give to trade up to the second spot to, uh, you know, to be in position to draft him. But, uh, you know, at this point, especially after the past couple of years under Chip Kelly, I'm, uh, you know, sort of like how it was a few years ago when Hinky took over. I'm kind of ready at least for, you know, something different. And, uh, you know, hopefully he pans out. And, uh, you know, if you, if you nail it, nail a, uh, you know, a good a quarterback down, uh, you know, you can build a team around them. So, you know, hoping that it works out for the best at least. Yeah, for sure. I mean, obviously, it's always weird, um, you know, having that change at quarterback. You never know how to feel. Uh, but the way Sam Bradford has acted, you know, the, the past week or so here after the trade, I mean, you got to be excited to get that guy out of town at least, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, he it's not like I wasn't, I didn't think he was terrible last year. He, you know, he was decent, not not great, not terrible, but, uh, you know, after signing the contract and then, as you said, acting the way he's been acting, he's not, you know, he's not Tom Brady. Uh, it's not like he, there was any sort of, you know, delusions that he was going to be the guy going forward long-term. So, you know, it seems that it's basically toxic at this point. He wants out. Uh, they're saying now that they're not going to trade him. So, uh, you know, it's, he, does, he doesn't seem like he's going to be, you know, the answer for the quarterback for the team, you know, in the short or the long term. So, you know, it seems like the best, you know, the best case would be to just kind of move on and get past them and go with, you know, a young guy that you can build on going forward. Yeah, and I mean, you know, talking about this Eagles draft, obviously we're more geared up uh, a couple months from now for the NBA draft, but – uh, you know, there's a real possibility that the Sixers could end up picking after the Eagles <laughs> this year. Uh, you know, they have a greater shot at getting the fourth pick at 35.7% than they do at getting the, the first pick at 25%. Um, so, you know, how furious would you be if this happened uh, where, you know, they actually would end up picking uh, after the Eagles and would that kind of make the Sixers look like, you know, further laughing stocks around the country than they already do? 
Yeah, man, that's uh, that's my biggest fear right now. I think that's the biggest fear out of, you know, pretty much all the Texas fans, especially after, you know, all that's gone on now, is you know, with the change in regime, that, you know, the 10-win season and how rough that was. It's like, you know, people are at least hoping that, you know, at least it pans out and we get best-case scenario, obviously, you know, with the one and the four pick there, uh, you know, to kind of miss out on the top two again and land in the three or four spot, you know, for the third year in a row after, you know, and never actually getting a top two pick in the Sam Hinkie era would be, you know, just, just devastating, I think, after all the – especially for, you know, the fans after all that they've been through – so, uh, you know, I think the the draft lottery is a day that it's just been, you know, on the forefront of, like, every Sixers fan or, you know, writer's mind for basically all year now is this past season really was, you know, virtually meaningless on the court. It's, you know, this, this lottery coming up in May, you know, it's uh, three weeks now. Um, you know, that's really has a huge impact on the immediate future of the franchise. Uh, so, you know, we can only hope that, luck is finally on our side uh you know at this point with the ping pong balls after you know a couple years of landing at the third spot and missing out on you know surefire talent and having to you know make a couple questionable decisions there yeah for sure and you know i'll I'll just kind of start with some semi sixers rumors that popped up today uh pertaining to the lakers actually uh espn's mark stein reported that the lakers open coaching vacancy could be filled by uh, the Sixers' former head coach, Doug Collins. Uh, one of the reasons being that he's a coach that could help lure veteran free agents to the team is uh, one of the things they're looking for in their next coach. I mean, I don't buy this, but hypothetically, if Doug steps into the office, they grab the number one pick over the Sixers and finish with a better record than the Sixers next season, just how ironic as well as depressing would that be for you? Yeah, I mean that you definitely don't uh, didn't ex- wouldn't have expected that to happen. Uh, the report in general just seems a little kind. Of, I don't know if funny is the right word, but maybe ironic. You know, they they want to bring in Doug Collins, who's you know notoriously <laughs> tough and not use you know doesn't like to use young players. When the Lakers team right now, obviously they kind of just had that exact issue with Byron Scott, and it's you know they're going to add another if, unless you know the pick comes over the Sixers, they're going to add another. Uh, you know, young lottery talent to the team this year. So, you know, it's a, it's a core base of young second, third, first-year players. So to bring in a guy that's notoriously, you know, not not very fond of playing his young guys. You remember just back to his days in Philly, we had, you know, Evan Turner riding the bench behind Jody Meeks for 100-some games. Uh, you know, there was some the, uh, other moves he made in Washington. You know, he's just known to be, uh, you know, kind of favor veterans. So as far as the veteran aspect of it, I guess it makes sense, but it just seems kind of funny based on, you know, the the team, it's not a veteran team right now. It's, you know, going forward, it's a team that's going to have to build up based on young guys. And, you know, he, Doug Collins just isn't a championship coach. I mean, so it might make sense in that regard. He's a guy that could, you know, come in and instill some good basketball, uh, you know, intellect and uh, a good basketball like regime into the Lakers and then, you know, kind of get out of the way after they have something in place because, you know, he he doesn't usually last more than, you know, three or four years in one spot. So, uh, you know, it would definitely be pretty depressing to see him lead lead a, a Lakers team to the playoffs, you know, next year or something before the Sixers were able to kind of get back <laughs> on their feet since he, uh, you know, he kind of left the, left the team in a, 
in a tough situation, but at the same, I, I don't really see it happening. It doesn't seem like he'd be too, too, uh, you know, imagine him trying to deal with D'Angelo Russell every day. <laughs> you know, it, it just doesn't <laughs> seem like something that would, you know, necessarily mesh well. Hey man, his, his good old buddies are, are over there with, uh, you know, Lou Williams and, uh, Swaggy P. So <laughs> he's yeah, got a little bit of, uh, you know, some camaraderie there that, that he built in Philadelphia, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't see it happening. Obviously, Collins's M.O., which you talked about, was, you know, he never had a good relationship with his, his young players. So, you know, especially dealing with D'Angelo Russell, unless they're, you know, trading him out of town, um, and obviously dealing with Julius Randle, and, uh, you know, just their strong youth that they have right now in their organization – I mean, it doesn't make any sense for for Collins to be the guy to kind of step in there as their new coach. Um, But, yeah, I mean, it would be extremely depressing for me to kind of see, you know, Doug Collins in there and, you know, leading them to more wins than the Sixers. Just, you know, that would be another kind of kick in the mouth um, thrown by just this entire rebuild process so far. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, talking about the draft, you know, I, like I said earlier, still a couple months away. Uh, but I just wanted to get into some discussion here regarding our first round picks. Uh, I think it's, you know, widely known that the Sixers will take either Brandon Ingram or Ben Simmons with, uh, you know, that, that first pick they have in the draft as long as hopefully it's a, a top two pick here. Um, but not much has been talked about. Uh, yeah. yeah, knocking all the wood you can, you know, chop down an oak tree and, and knock on that if, if that's something you need to do here. But, uh, you know, no one has really kind of talked about those late first-rounders, uh, which are, you know, number 24 and number 26 in the upcoming draft. Uh, Mike, have you gotten a chance to – kind of take a look at some guys uh, in that late late first section? And if so, has anyone kind of stuck out to you um, to uh, potentially be drafted by Brian Colangelo in the uh, upcoming draft? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's a couple names that that stick out, especially after watching the uh, the tournament. One one name that uh, that I think he he kind of helped his uh, you know his draft stock a little bit with his tournament pro, uh, his tournament play. Excuse me. His tournament play for Baylor was a uh, Torian Prince, uh, uh, small forward, like power forward combo guy. Uh, he was like super athletic in the tournament. He brought tons of energy. Uh, I mean, in the games that I was able to watch with Baylor, he made a couple mistakes, like a couple turnovers and just like a couple bad decisions. But then he would, you know, immediately make up for it with a crazy hustle and like a, a chase down block or like a ridiculous alley oop. And he can also shoot. So. Uh, you know, he seems like a, a type of guy that it would really work in today's NBA, whereas he could, you know, he's super athletic and can play inside, but he could also stretch the floor and uh, step outside. So, you know, that's a, one guy that that I kind of had my eye on since the tournament. And, uh, you know, I think he's projected in that, like, mid to late 20s on some draft boards, maybe a little higher on some others. 
uh, you know, a, a name that a lot of people obviously have been talking about, um, you know, since he declared for the draft and not that the Sixers need another front court player, but, uh, you know, the, the videos of Thon Maker, uh, you know, if you, if you YouTube, uh, some, some of his compilation videos are definitely, you know, they're intriguing just what he can do with his size. You know, he's, he's definitely not a, a traditional big guy when, you know, you see, see his size, you know, seven one, he's like two twenty five or whatever, but he, you know, he doesn't necessarily look it on the court. He's real smooth. He, uh, real nice release, nice handle. So, uh, you know, NBA draft.net, which is, uh, you know, one of the, the sites that I follow along with obviously like draft express and CBS, uh, you know, he, they have him going early twenties and some of them. So those are a couple of guys, um, right there. And also, uh, one other guy that, you know, I think maybe I would be a little bit, uh, you know, biased to just from the Philadelphia area is, uh, DeAndre Bembry, who, uh, you know, he played oh, pretty yeah. well yeah. Uh, throughout the season at, for, for St. Joe's and he also played well in the tournament. Uh, you know, that's a guy that could fit, fit in well with the Sixers. He's good size for a wing. I think they have him, he's six, six, like two ten. uh, like a small forward. He can shoot, drive a little bit. Uh, so he was another guy that, uh, you know, watching St. Joe's play, I was uh, intrigued by the potential, you know, late late first-round selection. Yeah, I I didn't even uh, think about Bembry here. He's definitely a guy that I would love to see on the team. I mean, he does it all. Uh, I mean, he can't really shoot too well, but he has developed that aspect of his game over the years. But, yeah, I mean, super athletic, uh, such great size at his position. I mean, he – he can rebound, he can pass, uh, he can run the, the fast break. I mean, he he's definitely a prospect worth looking at. Uh, whether or not the Sixers take him that high, I mean, that's that's another thing. But I think he's at least deserving of a look. Um, but, yeah, I mean, just looking at those picks kind of right back-to-back like that, I wouldn't even be surprised if the Sixers tried to, you know, package these two picks in order to move up and grab a guy, you know, that they want who might drop um, from the top of the draft, you know, someone like Jalen Brown, Denzel Valentine, you know, two kind of bigger scoring uh, wings there. Uh, you you mentioned Torian Prince. I mean, he's a guy I'm super high on as well. Uh, you know, you look at him, he kind of has that Kawhi Leonard look. Um, he's 6'7", 220 you know, super athletic and strong on the uh, defensive end, good release on a shot. You know, I think he needs to work on kind of his uh, penetration ability and, um, you know, creating points for himself in the paint. But outside of that, I mean, he just has that 3 and D build that a lot of teams look for nowadays. Um, You know, I I watched that game against Yale as well in the tournament, and he kind of – single-handedly brought them back from the dead in that one, um, which was super impressive. Um, But, yeah, I'm definitely high on him. I think there's a couple point guards as well that the Sixers could look towards. Um, You know, Tyler Uless of Kentucky, you know, averaged 17 uh, points and seven assists per game for the Wildcats um, this past season. And uh, on Notre Dame, uh, you've got – uh, what's his name here? You got uh, – sorry, one second. Um, Demetrius Jackson, uh, who's just another, you know, six foot one, 194, uh, showed off a lot of uh, great athletic ability for Notre Dame in the tournament. Um, 
you know, he, he kind of led that team to, you know, the elite eight there. And, um, you know, it, it was just an impressive feat to kind of see him lead the charge all season for that team. But I, I mean, these three or four players, I guess, including Denbury, I agree. I, I think that they're all kind of great talents here who could add a lot to, to the Sixers in terms of, you know, backup point guard or, you know, a wing behind, I guess, whoever they take and Covington. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think they have a lot of options here. Uh, obviously, if it came down to it, I wouldn't run it past Brian Colangelo to trade the picks to try to move up and get the player he wants. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think uh, – the optionality, as Sam Hinkie loved to say, um, there's a lot, you know, heading into the upcoming draft. Uh, but, you know, once again, this is the 76ers report. I'm your host, Jeff McMenamin, alongside Michael Kasky, Blow Mean. And, you know, obviously adding all these players in the draft, you're also going to have to think about, you know, uh, not, you know, re-upping contracts and getting rid of, some of the players we had on the team, you know, this, this past season here, it's never an easy decision. Um, you know, some of them are obviously easier than others, but, uh, yeah, I mean, let's just kind of run through the team here and, uh, kind of decide who you think will stay, who, who you think will go and maybe give reasons why, uh, you know, for the players that, might be staying on the team. Um, so I'll start with an easy one, uh, Alton Brown. There we go. <laughs> I think uh, I think the old school Chevy's playing days are behind him. Uh, you know, I, I think <laughs> we said that like a couple years ago, but uh, I think it's for real this time. I mean, his uh, you know his salary is off the books. Uh, you know, I don't see the team using a roster spot to bring him back to be a mentor. So, uh, you know, definitely appreciate everything that he did for the team this year. It definitely couldn't have been an easy situation for, uh, you know, a veteran that's been on some, like, pretty solid NBA squads to suffer through, uh, you know, being on a 10-72 and 72 win team. But uh, I'm going to have to say that he's gone. Uh, do you agree with that? Yeah. I mean, it's it's time for an oil change for <laughs> old school Chevy. Uh, I think his playing days in, in Philadelphia are over. But yeah, what a what a wonderful career. I'm glad, you know, he kind of helped out Joel for at least he could do for, you know, that gigantic salary that he kind of stole from the team. <laughs> um but uh yeah, I, I mean, I I think that uh, you know, he's a class guy, always has been a class guy, but it's his time for, you know, retirement in the golf courses and you know, enjoying that aspect of of you know, his, his career at this point. Um, so up next, uh, Isaiah Cannon, Sergio. Uh, you know, Isaiah Cannon gets a little bit tougher. He's, uh, you know, he, he could be offered a qualifying offer from the team, but, you know, especially coming off an injury uh, and just with, you know, he can shoot, but, you know, he really just didn't demonstrate enough, you know, elsewhere, 
And, uh, you know, kind of like you alluded to, there's some spots, you know, are going to be needed to open up considering, you know, up to four picks and, you know, whoever comes in free agency. And then obviously uh, Sarich and Embiid, hopefully, if he's healthy. So, uh, you know, I think Cannon is is another one. It's pretty easy. Uh, I, I don't think he's going to be back. Uh, what about you? I'm going to say it depends on uh, what they do in the draft. Um yeah, I, I mean, he's definitely a, a great shooter. Um, you saw that this season um, at, at times, just how he could light it up from beyond the arc. Uh, surprisingly, fourth most threes in team history, um, which, you know, kind of went under the radar this season. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I think that at the end of the day, he probably will go, but it's it's a very hard cut and it's going to come down to, you know, if they load up on a couple of point guards in the draft, there's not going to be enough room for him. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens. He, I guess he um, was, I, Isaiah Cannon was so frustrating cause it was, you know, he would do stuff and, you know, I'd finally be ready to be like, all right, I'm sick of Isaiah Cannon. Like uh, he doesn't need to be on the court anymore. And then he would hit like, three threes in a row and, you know, lead like a comeback and you'd be like, oh, well, this is why he plays. He, he's a real <laughs> tough guy. Uh, like, he's a tough cut. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, outside of Robert Covington, he was probably our most most reliable three-point shooter. Yeah, so that, that well, makes Well, he's going up against Hollis Thompson, but uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's pretty incredible that um, – you know, of all the guys on the team, uh, it came down to Isaiah Cannon kind of being that, that second three-point shooter on the team. Um, but speaking of Roko, I mean, I think this is an easy say go, but uh, what do you think of Robert Covington's future with the team? Yeah, I mean, I, I hope he's back. I would definitely assume that he'll be back, especially considering that the team only has to pay him just over a million dollars. Uh, you know, he has he has potential to be one of the one of the bargain salaries in next season for the Sixers. That's why, like, there, I feel like there's almost no benefit to uh, you know trading him at this point because you, know, you probably wouldn't get you know equal value. He uh, you know he his season was kind of up and down this year. It wasn't necessarily like the breakout season I think some people expected. But uh, I think when there's some uh, you know some more decent talent around him and uh, you know there's not necessarily such an emphasis on him to score or make his shots, I think it'll be a little bit easier for him. And uh, you know I think he I've thought so since last year. And I think you and I have been in agreement. I think he definitely has a, a future in the in the, with the Sixers and definitely in the NBA in general as a uh, you know if not a starter at least like a, a good a solid role player that can come in off the bench and spread the floor for you. So uh, yeah, and, and especially considering that you know Hinky got him on the uh, you know the Hinky special, uh, I don't see him <laughs> going anywhere. Yeah, can you order that at like McDonald's sounds or Hinky special? <laughs> I number think, four uh, on on the menu or something. I think uh, Pat and Geno's are going to come out with it in tribute for him. <laughs> I would hope so. Uh, yeah, I mean, Roko, you, you said enough there. I mean, I think he's a definite stay on the team. I think that um, you know, with them beating the paint, it's only going to open up his opportunities uh, next season to you know really have wide open looks on the arc, which is you know something that he will will gladly take and 
hopefully make. But uh, speaking of Embiid, uh, you know, he's up next here for stay or go. Uh, I mean, another obvious choice, just hopefully he's off the uh, disabled disabled list here and uh, can actually, you know, suit up for games. But what do you think of Embiid? Yeah, and also I just don't think, you know, earlier in the year I remember I talked to, uh, you know, a couple of people across the league in, in front offices, and there's there was just no trade value for him. And, you know, I'm sure that's still the same at this point. Um, you know, the, the Sixers can't really unload him, especially with his potential. But, you know, since no one really knows exactly what he's going to be or, you know, if he's going, going to be able to sustain, uh, you know, sustain himself out on the court, uh, you know, it, it would be a gamble. So teams aren't going to give up, you know, a huge package for him at this point, which makes it, you know, it would be silly for the Sixers to move him. So, you know, like you said, uh, you know, the best thing we could do is just hope that, uh, you know, all reports right now is, is that his health and his rehab and progress is right on track, um, you know, where he's supposed to be. So, you know, we we just have to hope that, like you said, that he's ready to go for next season and we can finally all see, uh, you know, what he has to offer. And so this is interesting because so he, you know, will most likely be on the active roster for next season. So the deal is, I guess you can have 15 on your roster, but two would have to be on the inactive roster. Yeah, I'd have to look that up to confirm 100%. I think that I think so. Him coming on, you know, the active roster will probably push someone else out. But uh, right now, we're at two. Um, so up next, Jeremy Grant, Sergio. Uh, I, I'm be, be, I'll be curious to see uh, if you agree with me. I think he'll, he's a stay. Um, also, you know, obviously based on the contract and the potential, he's due less than a million dollars. You really won't get, you know, much in return for him. And he has, you know, he could still prove to be, a, you know, a really good player for the team. So, uh, you know, I'm going to assume that he stays. This, uh, you know, it's it's a little tough to project right now for us, considering we have really no clue what, uh, you know, Brian Colangelo is going to do. You know, there's no precedent for him running the Sixers and how he's going to do it. And, uh, you know, the fact that he didn't bring in any single one of these players, so he has no, you know, like personal attachment to any of them. Um, you know, I think that has to be, you know, at least considered. But, uh, you know, with that being said, I, I think Jeremy Grant's going to, you know, be around again next season. Uh, do you agree? Yeah, I think athletically, um, you know, there there's few players on the rosters who can defensively do what he can do. Um, I think he just obviously needs to work on his offensive game, which I think he has been. I mean, He's had, you know, some jump shots going this year. I mean, you know, he still clearly needs to work on that aspect of his game. But I think he deserves at least one more year on the team to to prove himself and show his uh, development on that end. Uh, I think he'll, you know, end up staying. Um, So that's, I guess, three right now on the the roster. Uh, Rashawn Holmes, I feel like this is going to be a tough one um, at the end of the day just because we're going to have, you know, more healthy big men on the team this season. So, Rashawn Holmes, there you go. Yeah, that's, that's 
like you said, it's tough too. Like financially, it would make sense for him to be around. You know, all, but basically with all of these guys, financially it makes sense because they're all you know they're all so young and still on their rookie contracts, which basically means the team owes, owes them just right around a million dollars, which you know in NBA money is nothing. So you know it makes sense. But like you said, uh, there's a lot of you know front court. Um, you know already it's already pretty crowded looking to be potentially more crowded, obviously, with Sarich and Embiid, and if it ends up being Simmons that's drafted. So, and, you know, Holmes is a guy that's young uh, with some upside and athleticism that he could get thrown into, a, you know, a package pretty easily with, you know, a couple other, you know, let's say on draft day, for instance, if they're trying to, you know, move up with a couple of the other first rounds and, a, you know, a team-friendly contract on a young athlete like Holmes. So, you know, considering the space needs to be get, you know, space needs to get made, I think Holmes might end up being an odd man out. Yeah, agreed. Um, I mean, I've liked what I saw from him when he was healthy this season. Um, But, you know, unfortunately for him, he was hurt too much and, you know, wasn't able to show his full potential. And with just, you know, the influx of big men coming in and, you know, being healthy finally with uh, Embiid and, uh, Saric and, um, you know, uh, maybe a couple big men in the draft. We'll see. Uh, yeah, I, I think he's going to be an odd man out, unfortunately. I think that, you know, another team will definitely pick him up just because you can tell that there's talent there. Just, you know, the Sixers at this point, um, you know, will not have the patience to give minutes to a guy like Rashawn Holmes, which um, you could say is a good thing in the rebuild. Um, but, We'll see. Uh, up next, Carl Landry. I think this is an easy one. Um, go for next season for me. But what do you think? Yeah, I mean, he he looks like a guy that you know will probably get traded in some sort of move. I think he would be more valuable to you know a team that's already established more so than the Sixers uh, where he is. Uh, so. Considering he's one of the few, you know, veterans on the Sixers now that actually ha- might have, you know, some value somewhere else league-wide. Uh, yeah, and as we mentioned earlier with the crowded front court, he falls, you know, right into that. I'm not sure where, you know, if Embiid and Sarich are here and, you know, Simmons, Noel, before whoever ends up being back around, I'm not sure where he uh, actually gets minutes, um you know, on the roster. So, yeah, I'm I'm guessing that we've seen the last of uh, Carl Landry as a sixer. Not to say he was bad. He he did have some good moments for this team. No, uh, yeah. A couple of the yeah. wins, Just he like, was like, uh, you know. Uh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, and you – no, I was going to say, just like I said about Elton uh, Brand before, too, you have to, you know, applaud his, uh, you know, effort on a, in a difficult situation. He easily could have mailed it in and just collected his paycheck on, on this team this year. But he was, uh, you know, when he wasn't playing, he was really supportive on the bench and, uh, you know, in the locker room and stuff of all the guys. And when he did go out there, like you said, he had uh, – you know, he he had some big, uh, you know, definitely big performances. So there's there should be some value for him, uh, you know, league-wide. I think this is the easiest one on the roster. Kendall Marshall, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> it's, this, this sucks, too, because I, I always liked Kendall Marshall as, like, a player before. I, I wrote, like, a couple years ago when he was kind of floating around that the Sixers should give him a shot. Uh, I met him at Chipotle. He was like super chilling guy. Like I just, I like him and I want him to do well, but you know, it just didn't work out on the Sixers. Uh, you know, there's, he's 
uh, do a team option. Uh, it seems that that's like you said, that's a pretty easy, easy choice there. I, I don't think the team is going to be picking up that option. No, no. Uh, I think he's a definite out. Um, hopefully they can keep his uh, mom around and, and some kind of, uh, you know, aspect to the team, but we'll see. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think, uh, you know, he just didn't show anything. There, There's a lot of promise um, leading up to him, you know, finally playing a game, you know, him and Tony Roten kind of riding the pine um, on the injured list to start last season, and uh, neither of them did anything, you know, during their time as a sixer. Uh, last season at least. So, um, yeah, I think Marshall's time is done. And I think that um, who will likely take his spot is the guy next for Sarah Go, TJ McConnell, um, the guy who has to pay a $10 cover to get into Xfinity Live, uh, <laughs> even though, you know, he, he is a player on the team. Um, but, uh yeah, what what do you think of TJ McConnell's season and and chances to stay here? Uh, you know, I think TJ might be like the benefit of just this summer of like a lack of other options. Like the team can't have no point guards going forward. Um, you know, we both think Kendall's gone. We didn't get to Ish yet, but you know, he's he's a free agent either way, so the chances that he's going to be gone. And you know, they need to have someone TJ uh, A is obviously super cheap and B he he proved he's serviceable at least uh you know as a backup. He's you know by no stretch I don't think anyone thinks he's going to be the team's point guard or anything going forward, but you know, he surprised a lot of people and consistently performed throughout like the whole year. I think he was he played in all but one of the games, uh eighty one of the eighty two. Uh, you know, he's durable and uh yeah, I think he's definitely done enough to uh you know, to be back next season. Uh, so yeah, I think he'll be back. He's serviceable as a backup point guard and I think that's you know what you need. Um hopefully they can draft a you know, a guy to come in here and start. Uh, maybe even through free agency, you know, find an option there. But I think TJ is as solid of a backup point guard as as you can find. I, I mean, if it's between him and Isaiah Cannon as uh, the backup point guard, I think I'd lean more towards uh, TJ just because, you know, he can run the offense better. He can play a little bit of defense. Those are two things that Isaiah can't do um, as well. So, um, I, I think TJ gets the nod and uh, will be, I guess, our, our fourth player to stay um, on the roster. Um, so, Nerland's Noel, there you go. Uh, this one's tough, uh, obviously, <laughs> just because of the, you know, the chance that he's, like, anything is on the table this summer. So, literally, you know, it's, it's so tough. Yeah. Uh, you know, right now... I'm going to say that Nerland's Noel will be on the roster uh, next summer or next at the start of next season. You know, I don't think that necessarily a couple of reasons. I don't know where his value is league wide yet. Uh, you know, I think people think that he can be a great player, but he's not necessarily there yet fully. Like he's more there in flashes and that, you know, obviously it's been tough to judge him considering the, the talent around him. But uh, yeah, I just, I feel like he, he'll be maybe diff, more difficult to move than, you know, say like a, a, an Okafor and, uh, you know, just to, also depending who they get in the draft and free agency, I think he might be easier to kind of 
plug players like fit be plug like have himself fit around other players than maybe you know in Okafor. So yeah, I'm gonna say that Noel will be on the roster come you know October. Uh, what about you? Yeah, I think he gets the nod over Okafor if there's a guy that you're looking to move. I mean, um, I, I feel like teams usually look at offensive numbers and that you know, is not Noel's kind of game. I mean, obviously he's developed a little bit, um, but you don't really see, like, you know, those high, you know, solid defensive players going in these these big trades. Um, So, I I mean, I'm going to say Okafor out of the two would be the most likely to to get traded. So, by default, uh, Noel will stay. Um, So, that's, I guess, our fifth person staying on the team um so you know next up is Jill Okafor um so do you think he's he's the gone player then from the roster uh you know as as it stands right now uh, you know we obviously can't say that they're all coming back and he just seems to be the most likely to be moved, you know, for, for a variety of reasons, his, uh, you know, the return that you would get at this point, he's still 20 years old, uh, you know, was very, very good offensively, uh, you know, that all things considered, he's, you know, a year removed from being the the third pick in the draft. I think that the return that that the team would get for him would be higher than that they would get, they would get for anyone else on the roster at this point. Um, you know, so I think that obviously considered taken in with the fact that there's this, you know, so many front court players, uh, and that maybe that Jalil didn't necessarily want to be in Philly, or, and that he didn't necessarily fit with with the Sixers as well. I, I just think all the things considered, that he's the most likely to be gone. That doesn't necessarily mean that I want him to be gone. Like, I, you know, I think that he could still be very good, uh, and I would like to see, you know, what he develops into in the future, whether that that is in here in Philly or not. We'll see. But, uh, you know, just all things considered, I'm going to have to say that I, I, I would not be shocked if he wasn't on the roster next year. Hey man, if Doug Collins, uh, gets that job in LA, I'm calling him up because <laughs> I would love to do a Okafor for Russell deal. Uh, you know, I don't care about that. Um, you know, bro code in the locker room. I, I think that Angela Russell would be a perfect fit in Philadelphia. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm all for that trade if if it comes down to it. Um, but yeah, like you said, Okafor right now is a higher value. Um, there's only you know so much playing time you can distribute um, between the center and power forward positions. And with a uh, Sarge coming over, he plays more of a power forward role. Um, you know, I I think now is the right time to move Okafor at its highest value and, uh, you know, get pieces that you can actually use, um, whether it may be draft picks or, you know, a a solid young piece to the core. Um, But uh, up next uh, for Sergo is Ish Smith. Um, After his trade to Philly, you know, around Christmas, I would have said stay. Um, Now I'm leaning more towards go, but... I'll leave this one up to you, Mike. What do you think of Ish Smith's chances to to stay here? I think he's gone. Uh, you know, mainly he's a free agent, obviously, again. And, you know, he's going to have other suitors. 
And I just don't know if retaining him is going to be a priority for Brian Colangelo. Uh, you know, he did a, a great job helping this team from, you know, the one and 30 team that they were to the, you know, great 10 and 72 team they became. But no, <laughs> like he, he really did. Uh, he did a great job this season, although he kind of, you know, not, not tapered off at the end, but, but had some inconsistent play, but uh you know, he's definitely serviceable as a point guard in the league. He can do a lot of things well. So I think there'll be a market for him. And I just don't know, you know, considering all the other things that the team has to going on, that they will be looking for a point guard, obviously. But, uh, you know, I just don't know if he if he's going to be a priority uh, for the team to sign at that point. So I'm going to say no. I, I don't think he'll be back. Yeah, I, I agree um, for the same reasons as you said. Um Moving on to Nick Stauskas, I actually think that he'll stay. Um, I know that, you know, he he definitely had a rough year. Uh, there were times where, you know, I wondered whether or not shooting was his strong suit. Um, you know, he, <laughs> yeah, he was pretty miserable to uh, to start the season from, from the outside, but I think you saw more confident uh, Stauskas towards the end of the season. Um, you know, he was starting to gel more with, you know, the teammates and, you know, was more confident shooting the ball. Um, even, like, driving into the lane, you saw some, like, flashy dunks out of him, which was pretty insane. But uh, what do you think of, of Nick's chances? Yeah, you know, I actually think he'll be back too. Uh, he's on, under contract for, you know, a real reasonable price for another year. I don't think the market value for him is super high. You know, I, I think if, if I thought teams were like calling, you know, and offering a lot for him, I would definitely think he might be gone. But I don't think that's going to be the case, uh, you know, considering that the lack of shooting guards and the shooters in general on the team. Uh, and like you said, he, he seemed to get a little more confident as the year went on. And a couple of those dunks were that came out of nowhere at the end of the year. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think uh, he'll, he'll be around at least for a while to see, see, you know, show what he can do. You know, if there's a couple other decent players on the floor that can also shoot and spread the floor out with him, he could be, uh, you know, pretty decently dangerous. Uh, so, you know, we'll see. But I, I would expect him to be back. we got uh, two left here. Um, you know, Georgetown, Hollis Thompson is uh, – Mr. Consistent, I guess, from beyond the arc, uh, always hovers around that that 40% range. Um, And we got Christian Wood. Uh, Do you see either of these two uh, making it, you know, to next year? Uh, You know, I I don't. I don't think that either of them are going to be around. I know Hollis Thompson is your boy. But, uh, you know, I think his uh, his time has come. He, you know, he kind of represents, like, the process he's been around. Uh, he's been, you know, the longest-standing guy, the only one that's been around since, you know, the, the first game of the first season under Brett Brown. Uh, and, you know, I, I like Hollis. He's a, definitely a serviceable shooter. But, you know, when it really comes down to it, I think he's replaceable, uh, you know, just based off skill set alone. Uh, and I, I don't. I just don't see the team. He's he's due a team option for like over a million. I just don't think that. Uh, you know, I, I just don't know if it, they they're gonna deem him you know necessarily worth keeping around at this point. After um, you know, three he's basically shown. I feel like over the course of these three years, not that he hasn't gotten better, but I think he's kind of just shown his ceiling as a player, which uh, you know I think is uh, you know replaceable. 
All right, yeah. And, uh, I, mean, I think both are – Same with Christian oh, Wood. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, no, nah, same with Christian Wood. I just don't think uh, – you know, I don't think he really did enough or really stood out to, you know, really warrant bringing back, especially, uh, you know, the whole the whole gist is that they need to make space for, you know, hopefully other more talented guys that they'll be getting either, you know, in the draft and through, uh, you know, free agency or Sarich and Embiid. And, uh, you know, I just don't see where Wood would fit in or get any minutes really going forward. Yeah, I, I mean, I think both are out as well. Um, Hollis had a great run here. Um, obviously, you know, Christian Wood made a name out of himself, I mean, from going undrafted to, to what he did here um, in the league. So, you know, props to him for his work ethic and, you know, finding, you know, his footing here in the league. Um, I, You know, I don't know if he'll get picked up anytime soon. He's probably more a D-league guy moving forward, but – um, yeah, I mean, I guess that's seven right now, um, including Saric. Uh, you got to think that, you know, Isaiah Cannon for now and Jalil Okafor for now will be on the roster, so um, that's up to nine. And then, you know, we got, you know, three draft picks 